like you said, we'll start with the first lesson, shall we, the story, because I think, like you said, the manifesto, I guess, comes with different challenges. One is um, what's on it, and the other thing is how it looks. And so we don't need to get bogged down to too much detail into how it looks, but hence we provide you with some tools to be able to do that more easily. But saying all that, we often get bogged down in detail in terms of does it look nice as well as does it convey the image we want. Um, so before you know it, you're choosing fonts, choosing colors, you know, lost mm. in detail. Um, but what think, we go on, sorry. I was going to say maybe what, what would be good is if you maybe give them uh, give people a brief understanding of why storytelling is important and what, why we think it's useful. I think a lot of it's just from seeing how other startups have built their reputation, built their audience, really. So um, I would mentioned a couple on the home on the on the course, um, but yeah, I think essentially having a essentially a manifesto, a, a way of condensing your vision down into one page can really help to get people to understand what you're doing and why. And that's the thing is trying to hook them in with a, a common belief system almost that you can then rally around. And like we said, you can do it in different ways through video, through words, through pictures, but ultimately trying to make it as visual as possible so that people sort of buy into it almost from an emotional standpoint rather than just, you know, logic or the rational side of the brain. And that's, yeah, what we found is like you, you hook them in and then from there they get interested in what you're doing rather than trying to sell a product or service from off the bat, which is often difficult to do. So trying to build trust more than anything that you're not just... Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's about creating that connection, isn't it? Um, I think one of the things, that the uh, one of the pitfalls, the common mistakes that I find with a lot of people I talk to is they immediately talk about features and benefits and about the product, how it works, how it looks. Um, and while all that is good, they're still thinking about this uh, as a, a transactional level. I'm going to give you something. You're going to pay me money. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But w- from what we've understood is actually the biggest thing that's going to convert anyone to buying anything off of you, no matter how much it costs, is that they trust you and they believe in what you're doing, not just in terms of the product, but your intentions. So I think this is a way of diving into that a bit. And trying to use all that stuff you did about values and about what success means to you and this kind of world you want to create uh, and and turning that into some words that, that other people can get on board with yeah so on the lesson we actually linked to a webinar um camera who hosted it now um, basically said sebastian castro did um last year or the year before and so if you wanted to dive deep into storytelling and i guess some um almost like a breakdown of how to tell your story well not just in the manifesto but just in your business generally then definitely check that out i think it's an hour long but there's just some real good gems in there for how to get your story out there it's really about using empathy to um communicate a message and like lawrence was saying tapping into emotions not just facts and and uh and objects uh, well just to remind you as well next month is is leadership month and I'm going to have, be having Ashley, uh, Sebastian Castro's partner, Christine Rain, and she's going to be talking about using empathy and leadership, empathy in business, and it will really relate. It'll bring some of this stuff home. Good stuff. Um, so I was just looking at some of the comments that people have put on the lesson page for for the story, and I think Marcel shared a couple of his examples of his manifesto i think it's quite good to get feedback on just the copy first and then almost like how it looks after rather than trying to make too many decisions all at once like i said otherwise you might just go off in tangents but like you said whatever's the quickest way to get your your manifesto out there and again you can do this in different ways you know by the end of the course the idea is to share this as a medium post and get um you know get i say real people get people <laughs> outside of the course to feedback on it not just people within the safety of uh, the happy startup school um I'd like David's point as well as like, how does this manifesto make you feel? Because I think we talked about it at the beginning of the course is like, you know, the best brands, the best companies, you know, from my experience are the ones that make us feel something. It's not just about selling a product. It's like they have there's some reaction to them internally. And so David's question is a great one. It's like, how does this make you feel? You know, not, not other words, right? How, what, what's the outcome that you're getting from it? And if it's a good one, then hopefully you're joining those missions. I think also it's, it's about um, this sense of connection. Like I think we're moving towards building communities around what we do, uh, feeling like you're a part of something. 
and the manifesto i think is that and we found that when we first started off the happy startup school the manifesto was the thing that rallied people so people around us it was the thing that connected us or made that sense of common belief happen and so i think you know that's core to any kind of business is like in the marketing is how can we get people to believe in us and so at this early stage if you if that comes from a genuine place then i think it's going to be easier for you to then start start selling authentically in a sense exactly and i think it's um i was chatting to actually two different people today who are both looking to build online communities and they want they want the secret sauce you know what's the silver bullet that i can learn from how have you guys done it i want to build an online community oh but or basically starting from a problem of i put an online course out there and no one's buying it but I want to. Uh, I, I do want to build a community, and and the short answer is it's it's a long answer, which is it's not overnight. It's going to take time. Um, but I think tips and tools like this, you know, sharing not just we're doing an online course, but sharing. Okay, here's why we're doing an online course. Here's what we believe in. And one of the guys was building this um, tool, which would help people build more connected cultures and workplaces to build engagement, to reduce isolation, to you know increase employee happiness and therefore productivity and the success of the company. So when you start to talk in those terms, it becomes much more easy to imagine what it is you're trying to do and link people that way rather than just, oh, we're trying to launch an online course for connection at work, which doesn't feel as, doesn't create emotion in someone as much as the other stuff. Exactly. I think, um, so going back to the, the lesson page and some of the comments, one thing I picked up on what Remini was saying was when she was writing her manifesto, she she felt it was very much businessy, very businessy, and and she, something that struck me when she said is like, I'm not. It wasn't really me, uh, and so if that's something to consider when you're writing this manifesto. Is like, I think it needs to have an element of you. It can't be just focused on the business. Uh, you, the further things further down the line, as your ideas about the business evolve, maybe you can incorporate that. But I would start really about your manifesto who do you want to, who do you want to hang around with so how do you who do you want to attract to you in a sense yeah exactly because if it's quite formal and businessy then you'll attract those kinds of people so that might be fine but at the same time it might attract the wrong types of clients um I saw, did you see nick's question i thought it was an interesting one maybe to dive. all right uh yeah Should we we can tackle that dinner go for yeah. that so Nicholas asked, how do you make a non-generic manifesto which is i think is a really good one it's a bit like values too you know often mm you read the values of a company and it could be, you know, it could be, um, I don't know, like a social enterprise or it could be Enron, you know, <laughs> so they, they could read the same. It's how they operate it could be very different, but in terms of what they think their values are, it could be the same. And I guess one thing with this is trying to, trying to either tie it to a problem you're solving or pains you're solving to make it a bit more emotive than just, you know, something really positive and fluffy, which it could do if it was very generic. Um, so I think maybe being quite bold, so not not being um, too woolly about it, you know, the whole idea of being a Marmite brand, like you want to polarise rather than trying to appeal to everyone. Um, I don't know if you put it on the reading list, but Do Purpose, the book by David Hyatt, um, do, it's the Do Books company. Do Purpose is a great little book, little pocket book about how to build a brand. And in that he talks, I think, as well about building a manifesto and just great ways to stand out if you're a small company. And I think one of them is to just be really bold about what it is you stand for. And if you do that, then it will attract the right people. But if you try to be too generic and too sort of fluffy with your words, then it might just um, might not mean anything really. So it's a tricky balance to strike. And this is where maybe getting some feedback from someone who knows about writing good copy could help. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely something that can help if you get it right. I think uh, another thing to consider is from the previous lessons, you know, we talked about what's the enemy. And using that as a launch, launching place in terms of, you know, this manifesto is really about what is it that you're trying to, to move towards and how you're trying to rally people around you. Um, you know, from our conversations in the Alps, Nick, you know, there's very much, uh, particularly your, your studies around how, how people communicate, uh, how people need, can improve themselves, how teams can communicate. You've got, there seems to be a, an enemy there, right? around breaking down these barriers, making people work a lot better together. So I feel there's a really good place to make it really non-generic. And also looking about what you're, you know, we talk about the needs, how can you use, pull those into the manifesto? What is it you need? Because then people who need something similar will gather around that and that becomes less generic, I think. Yeah, exactly. Cool, okay. 
I'm trying to think if any other questions are about manifesto. Uh, so we had oh, yeah. Remini. Yeah. Was that the one you were talking about? Well, the, it, not specifically this. This was more about how it looked. Um, so we can tackle that. It was more in the in the comments on the okay, yeah, on the page that she had about when it was she was first generating it. Yeah, so don't. It's not a competition, so we're not going to vote the best looking manifesto. Um, I think really it's. I mean, to some extent, you could share this just as a, a plain text post and medium. You know, if the words are powerful enough, or even on LinkedIn. You know, I've seen a lot of people share a LinkedIn post, you know, or just an update on LinkedIn, and that can get lots of interest so it doesn't need to be beautifully designed if anything you know if it's i'm not saying it's terrible but if it was really terrible you might be better off just having it as plain text than having someone design it for you or using spending longer on it you know using a tool like canva or um was it word swag and some of these tools we've recommended but i would say don't let that get in the way of you actually perfecting the words because i think it's something that ultimately if it means something to you then hopefully it'll mean something to someone else so it needs to be something that you can grasp and really get excited about and it's a work in progress. All of this is, is something that you've got to start somewhere and then you go back to it and you refine it and you refine it as you, as you get clearer as to what, what's important. Um, but the best thing to start is just like a mind dump of just everything that feels right and then going back and correcting it. Uh, and like Laura said, just focus on the words first. Don't, don't go too, too gung-ho on the picture stuff. Yeah, I'm just sharing on the... Um, I've shared the two, uh, two books... Um, on the chat but also we've got top books so you might not have seen this on the community but we've got about 10 to 12 different themes of which the, we've got top books for each one and one of them's on branding and so if you go through to that i think that might be one of the books on there um there's another book called um, zag or zig i can't remember what it's called which is a multi numerized book which is a really good one again about how to build a brand so how to zig when everyone else zags so what i was talking about really how to stand crowd and how to do something different cool but yes keep, keep your focus for now don't feel like you have to read all these books over the next week <laughs> get you through the lessons first yeah exactly it's just try and get those challenges out share them with uh, ideally share them on the community so you can get feedback on it and it's really nice to have seen sort of the conversations the back and forth about people's manifestos on the on the lesson page um if you're watching this and the recording, just I I would just urge you just to try and share some stuff, even if it doesn't feel, if, even if it's raw, at least you can get some um, some put, um, nudges from other people. Yeah, I don't know if we put the fun base one on the lesson or not. I'm not sure if it's on there, but I don't think it is. Uh, yeah, Kai's one was great back in the day. I'll try and get him to share that, uh, which highlights. I mean, he was a designer, so it helps to you know get that message across. But I think. Um, yeah, it's a good example of this in action. Okay, um, so we can probably shoot on to the next lesson now, which um, I think Guy had a question around. Yeah. So, so this was... Um, fans. This is fans, exactly. So where do we get to... So I think... Um, have you guys watched the video? I hope you saw the... You've probably seen that before, the guy dancing at the festival, but it's quite a good one. Um, so where are we yeah so yeah Marcel was saying about how he created his personas which is great um, so yeah if you haven't already done this lesson there's a tool that we've well created years ago when we were running the agency called Persona and it's a way to quickly create personas on the fly for your target customer and some people have already Remini included I think I've shared these which is great um, actually guys this question wasn't this it must have been on pain sorry um, so yeah, let's just talk about this lesson quickly. The, talk about um, uh, talk about fans for this one, because hmm. I think again one of the people I was talking to today was starting with the idea of okay, I want to build a thousand true fans. I've heard it's a great way to build you know your your business, certainly the core core audience of what you're trying to do. But even then, he was still thinking about a thousand, you know, rather than one or ten. And I think it's just that thing of like maybe it's the ego, but we don't want to think small at the beginning. But actually, getting a few people to care is the hardest thing in the world because they'll be the ones that tell other people. So don't think about thinking small, just think about it as finding someone who really gets it as, well, as much as you do, or certainly, you know, a little bit towards that. Um, I think one thing we found when we were running the agency was a lot of clients didn't really think about their customers enough. They just thought about the solution too much. 
I think also when you're designing a product uh, or, or a service, when you're designing something, um, when the more generic you are and you start thinking purely about demographics, uh, the harder it is to make design decisions and to make actually um, some real clear what to say no, what to say yes to. And when you get really granular and you focus on one person, you can start telling a story about their life, the story about their context, the story about their, like we saw in the persona, their wants and their dreams and their aspirations. And that's going to tie to the manifesto and what you believe. So we're trying to create, we're taking you to trying to help you create a coherent story that starts to build the picture of, of the people you want to work with and the reason you want to work with them. And so having that, that first fan, it's, it's a way just to focus your mind so you don't spin out on all the could be this, could be that, start getting bland messaging like you're saying, Lawrence. It's like if you're not bold and, and having that kind of Marmite language, uh, you either love it or hate it, 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 then it's very hard for other people to then get on board, even for you to be memorable. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just trying to find this question from uh, Guy, sorry. Okay, that's cool. Well, I, I can kick off with, there's a question from Karen. Okay. Uh, well, I can riff on that while you're looking for the Geist's thing. So she asks, should you test out what you think about fans' pains? If so, how do you do this? Perfect question. That's, mm -hmm. like, that's textbook question because we, we can talk about this all day. Um, <laughs> So all of this is, uh, to start off with, is an assumption. And you're kind of guessing. A lot of this stuff, unless, you know, you've run the business before, or you're just refining some, uh, an existing business, this is all guesswork and you're trying to work out, actually, um, does, this, this is my solution and I want to fit it to a problem. And so I, I say, yes, you definitely need to test out whether that is a, a real pain for your fan. But at the same time, you don't go up to people and say, is this a pain or is that a pain? Mm. Ideally, what you're going to do is you want to talk around the topic. And the reason the, the, the persona template is done the way it is, it's always, the key thing is about the needs and the goals. What are they trying to achieve? What are the thing, where are they trying to get to? And the things that are getting in the way are the pains. So the conversations you should start is around their needs and goals and aspirations and understanding their context. Because the other things you're trying to test around this persona is your assumptions as, as to where they live, how they behave, because how they behave and how they use either technology or their day-to-day -day life, how that works is also going to be a context for how the solution you're going to create is going to impact on them. And I, I don't know if we actually talked about user journeys and things like that on the on the fans page, but there's a lot of other work around this when you're developing your product or service that's gonna be important. So talking around the needs and the goals and the challenges of, uh, to achieve those, and using, this is a book that we talk about, is the Mom Test, and it's about, uh, and the, the process is customer development. So basically talking about your product without talking about your product, and having kind of oblique conversations to a, get a feel for what's important to them and if there is a real pain point but also looking for opportunities where there's going to be a higher level pain as they call it something that's really even more that they want to solve even more it's higher value which means that that's something that from a commercial point of view you could charge more for but also something that they'll be more keen to, to work you with to solve exactly um they're just sharing this empathy map tool which is another tool that you can use for this purpose really um i think bob shared it but we don't think we mentioned it actually I might mention it in one of the lessons but um yeah it's worth looking at that as an alternative tool which is all around like you talked about before really how do you really understand how do you step into your customers shoes and understand their world rather than just trying to see it from your perspective yeah uh, i think that's the trouble what we've seen uh, with a lot of our clients when we were a digital agency is they they saw it only from one side and they didn't really understand the context so they would ask for design well provide ask for designs to be done in a certain way interfaces to be written and done in a certain way work the way that the application or the service worked in a certain way without thinking of actually how does that work for someone who's actually doing this on a day-to-day -day basis you know are they going to whip their phone out when are they going to use that, this app? And if it's on the underground, how are they going to check it if there's no Wi-Fi? And all these little contexts that you don't really think about that could affect whether people use your service or not. Exactly. Um, there were some great 
I guess insights when we were user testing. I remember some a couple of clients where we would. Um, I guess there was a bit of resistance from our clients to test out products before they were built because probably because they were scared of any negative feedback, but also they just didn't see the. Um, I guess the importance of investing in it. Um, but then we did some little tests and, and you can sort of capture the video and the screen movement and interactions of anyone using it. And suddenly they're like sitting up fascinated by someone using their product. And so it flipped from, I don't care to, oh my God, what they're doing, what they're saying, what's going on now, oh my God. So it's just trying to make it more human really, which is the hardest thing to do sometimes. And this is the reason why the purpose and profit program is I believe fundamental to building a product or a business because when you start off with a solution you just hold on to that so tightly and you and it's so linked to what you yourself that if it doesn't work you think oh this is rubbish I'm, uh, this i can't do this again or you, you you don't even show it to anyone until the last moment because you're scared someone will criticize it and what we're trying is to offer you another thing is like let go of the solution but hold tightly to the mission hold tightly to what it is you, you want, you need from this business and what you're trying to achieve. And that's the thing you really hold tightly to. And then how you do it, that's just a case of working out who you want to help and how you want to help them. And the solution could change. Our stuff has changed so much over the past five years of doing this. <clears throat> yeah, I think one of the best things any startup can do is go to like a startup weekend or there used to be a thing called Lean Startup Machine where you basically have to go out and validate your assumptions over the course of two or three days. And um, you know, it's amazing seeing people, and, and basically, they, I've even had to almost physically remove people, kick people out of a building because the whole line is get out of the building, test it with customers, stop. You know, what you're doing, looking at a flip chart, go outside, talk to customers, and so you have to push people out the door. And it's a bit like the Apprentice with people out in the street with you know various pieces of paper and products they're trying to validate. But the great thing is they come back in the building two hours later, like with a completely different view of their business because they've been forced to talk to people. So there's definitely something in getting outside your comfort zone and having to. Do the difficult stuff really, which is listen to what can be negative feedback, but it helps you learn and grow. And from that, you can then improve your offering. Otherwise, you'll lock yourself away for months away and find out it's an even more expensive mistake on the cards. And underneath all of this, I assume if you're if you're a follower of the Happy Startup School, the intention is to help people uh, and to know actually you're not helping anyone if you're not talking to anyone before you build your product. Because if you waste your time and money on something that people don't want, then actually you're not, you're not serving anyone. Uh, and so that's a big, bigger waste than actually uh, getting some bad feedback at the beginning. Exactly. Cool. cool. Um, was there any other, were there any other questions on that um, lesson page? Um, not that I've been able to find. I don't know if Guy's has removed his question. He did have quite a meaty one, but it seems to have disappeared. Or maybe it's just maybe. I do remember seeing something from guys. Yeah. But yeah, if anyone else has got questions, please post them. So we can, um, and it might be about one of the other lessons from the previous weeks. So yeah, no, that's a good point, Lawrence. Is there any, any question on any of the um, lessons up to now, or if you jumped ahead and you want to move forward, um, fire those questions across. Uh, it's, I was trying to find for this question as well. Yeah, no, it would be, it'd be really, really useful for us um, because it, I think any question you ask, there's going to be bound to be someone else who's, who's too scared to ask the question themselves. Yeah, exactly. That's what you normally find is uh, once one starts with a snowball. Uh, yeah, no, I can't find this question. I think we just have to have to move on. Cool. Okay. So the last one, lesson nine. Ow! Pains. Well timed. Awesome. Yeah, so the, the people misunderstand this sometimes when we talk about pains, don't they? Yeah, well, you can call it problems, pains, whatever. Often people think it's, oh, I'm looking, I'm, I'm trying to work out what the problems are that I'm going to face when I start the business rather than what problems am I trying to solve for people. Um, often people start, well, often people create businesses because they're trying to solve their own problems, scratch their own niche to some extent. And I guess for us, that was a similar need was we wanted to create a, create events where we felt at home. So, you know, off the back of that, we've created events that other people like, but it wasn't, um, wasn't necessarily the, the goal. But I think often, even if you're trying to create, um, solve your own problem, it doesn't mean that there's enough people out there who also 
feel that pain. So that's the first test is finding out, do other people care? And for us, that was, um, actually, I remember Geist's question now. It was around story um, storytelling and meetups and how to build your community that way. Um, so yeah, in terms of, I think he asked about specifics in terms of how to structure meetups or whatever. But for us, it was really, okay, we want to essentially practice what we preached. Like, you know, we were writing and blogging about startups before the Happy Startup School. And so we were telling people to like test their idea out, get out of the building, you know, do all this stuff. So it'd be silly if we didn't do it ourselves. So we, we launched a very simple landing page. And then within a month, we set up our first meetup. So we actually used the platform meetup. If guys is going to watch the recording, I'm not sure. Um, meetup, the platform is a place to post events, but it's also a community that will discover your events if you post them there. So for us, it was a really good way to build our, um, our audience in London where we launched it, but also now we use it for our events in Brighton and other chapter leaders around the world use meetup.com to, to host their events on there. Um, in terms of how we structured it, it was, it was really just a talk more than anything, a talk and a bit of a Q&A trying to understand the needs of people in the room. Um, shared the vision, shared our idea for what this was, and it was just then a bit of an open forum, wasn't it, to see, okay, why are you here? <laughs> we know why we're here. Um, there seems to be a common thread at our events even now. It's always useful to know what brought them to something. You know, what's the, was it the startup? Was it the happy? <laughs> was it the school? Was yeah. it none of, none of those things? And they were just bored and wanted some free pizza, which is also sometimes true. So, um, but, you know, like I was saying to someone today, not everyone in the room is going to get it, but if you get two, three people who love it, then that's it's been worthwhile, right? You've got two, three fans that you didn't have before. And it's um, a lot of the time, it's just kind of telling the story of what you do. And again, I'm going to bring it back to the Purpose and Profit Program. All of this is about what we've learned. You know, by getting clear about the things you want to make happen in the world, you start being able to make decisions of, you know, what kind of event do I want to hold? Who are the kind of people I want to talk to? Who are the kind of people I'm going to invite and talk at my meetup? And it, it makes that decision process a lot more smooth and coherent when it's tapping into something that, you know, you believe in and there's, there's a mission that you're on. I see too many meetups that just get a bit bland and you've just got some random selection of people and random selection of talks, usually kind of business-based trying to find that silver bullet. Um, and for us, it was more about inspiration, finding people that inspired us that kind of aligned with our mission. Uh, we, you know, the, the host, the MC for our summer camp that has been going on for five years was someone who came to, who talked to our meetup, Sons and Jones. You know, we wouldn't have done, known that and met this person if we hadn't been doing these meetups. Uh, Shama Shaladina came to uh, Ashram just last uh, this February, and he was one of the first people who was at our meetups, what, six years ago, seven mm -hmm. years ago? So it's crazy how, by just putting yourself out there, telling your story, that the right people will start to come out of the woodwork, and then further down the line. Like I was saying, this isn't, this isn't a short silver bullet kind of approach. The way we're talking about this, this is a, you're in, here for the long haul but that's why if you build a solid foundation of this is the mission i'm on it doesn't feel so bad or feel so long anyway sometimes you get the wrong people um <laughs> I seem to remember one where i was talking and one guy started snoring oh that was a classic one we were was that the one at the right. orange row yeah yeah <laughs> sat, sat at the back I think it was pretty soon after he'd arrived, so I don't think he knew. I think he just got to the wrong, the wrong meetup and saw our sofa and looked looked quite comfy. But yeah, that's a, a real endorsement of your speaking talents. Haters are gonna hate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed Karen has the question. So Karen says, "Where do you recommend to tell your story? Are, are there certain questions? Oh, sorry, are there forums um, for certain topics, or is a web page always the best option?" Um, well, in the next sessions, we dive a bit more, but yeah, Medium is for, for us the smallest, simplest way to post it, uh, a Medium post. Um, uh, I guess everywhere is <laughs> probably the short answer, but it's not the one you want to hear. Um, but if you've got something that looks particularly visually good, then you know, it lends itself to something like Instagram or sharing on Twitter too, Facebook even. Um, you know, People love inspirational picture quotes and so you know anything that looks good will get shared across different different media i think when you're thinking about social media though it's also about engaging people 
Now, um, Fabian Fortmuller, is that how you pronounce his name? So he, he runs, he's got a thing called the Community Canvas and it's, he's on a mission to help people build better communities. He's got a Facebook group. He posts a lot in there. He has conversations with people. We post questions in there. So I think one of the things that's developed over time now with all these new social media channels and different ways of interacting is having those conversations really and not necessarily just broadcasting. It's also uh, showing a bit of vulnerability to certain levels, showing that you don't know everything and you're looking for people to basically join you and help you learn more. Yeah, exactly. I think the other thing is being, I guess, clever about where you post it. So if you feel it's something you're really happy with, then it could be you post it on a, so on a Karen's things about like um, empowering teachers. So it could be posting it in some kind of, you know, educational community or teacher community. So rather than it being like on Twitter to the world, it's to a very niche audience. And actually remember um, Maptia, I think we met, Maptia we might have mentioned on the lesson about the manifesto. Maptia were friends of ours who set up this um, storytelling platform and they created this manifesto. Actually, the way I discovered them was Johnny, one of the founders, posted a response to a question on Quora. Quora.com, it's like a Q&A site. It's not as popular as it was, but um, at the time there was a lot of interest around it. And so all he did was like jump on a really popular question and ask, I think I answered the question around company culture or something. Is it like, what's the best company culture hack or something? And then he just said, move, to, move your startup to Morocco. And he wrote this whole post about why they moved their startup to Morocco, posted their manifesto about traveling the world. And the next thing you know, he's got like, you know, 100,000 views on that post. And they've built their mailing list off the, you know, one question, uh, one answer to a question. So, um, but it would have been hard for them to do that just off their own community that they didn't have then. So I think, again, just understanding what other networks or communities are, are out there that you can essentially piggyback on and, and harness for your, for your own game. And, and just start a conversation, really. If it's, if it's something you're trying to change in an industry like education, which often isn't moving as fast as we would like, then chances are other people will be out there putting their hands up saying, I want to be part of this. And um, I think also to give you uh, some kind of real starting point, that's what the number one fan is about and understanding where that person hangs out or the assumptions of where that person hangs out, checking that they're there and then posting and engaging on that platform, whatever that may be. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Cool. Um, sorry. Oh, sorry. I thought Anything more on pains? <laughs> any more pains on pains? And we got any more pains on pains? Um, but yeah, so like, the exercise, how that works. I don't know if we want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we could go into that. Um, and so I think when Lawrence was starting to talk about the, the, the so identifying the right pains, um, we talk about painkillers and vitamins when we sometimes when we're thinking about the, the products that we're trying, trying to create. Now, the difference between those is uh, pain is usually something that the person already feels. They know that it's a problem. It's something they want to solve straight away. Uh, and vitamins, sometimes you need to educate people into that being something that they need. Uh, the example we always give was at the beginning, something like Facebook was just a vitamin. It didn't... It, didn't really solve a particular problem, but it, it enhanced people's lives. Over time now, with people using it more and more, for certain people, it is solving a very specific problem. But if it is a vitamin, it usually takes an education piece, a lot of blogging, a lot of communicating about what you're trying to do. Um, when it comes down to pains as well, there's if, if the person, there's, there's a thing about your product or your service has to be 10 times better than the existing solution because uh, what you're trying to do is change behavior and so if you're trying to tackle a pain and you understand that people are solving it in a very simple easy way in a way that it isn't it isn't particularly easy but they're happy with it then sometimes it can be difficult for the people to change behavior so this whole process of identifying the top three pains is looking at stuff that people are finding really difficult and are really hard to do, some obstacles are really getting in their way. Maybe they're spending hours on it or days on it, or they're really scared of doing something about it. And then you can, uh, if you can tackle that and make it quicker, faster, easier, then you, you're in a better chance that they're going to pay you money for that. You want to help, you want to help with it. Exactly. Um, sorry, I, was just, I found uh, Kai's 
um, just going back a bit, sorry, kind of not in any order, but um, Kai's manifesto. Uh, can you see that? Cool. Yeah, it's a lovely manifesto. That one. So Kai is a community member, Kai Brower might have come across him um he started a thing called Funbase. he was actually on the first or one of the first homeschool tribes the first version of uh, purpose and profit and he created this uh, manifesto so Funbase is essentially a, a play zone for adults so i think the idea is why should play just be for kids what would happen if we created this play zone for adults and he has this in his space in amsterdam he's got a big ball pit where you can jump in and we were there it's great fun um, he's also got like Nerf guns and all sorts of fun video games that people can play. But the idea is that you leave your, your almost your dignity and your ego at the door and you just be a kid again. Um, but I think the nice thing about it is a, it's personal so you can, you know, fill it out and make it about you. But I think it's also quite emotive too. So like back to Nicholas's, um, uh, point about it not being too generic, you know, I think a lot of things here are things that you know, really tap into people's emotion about like, yeah, I want to play. I want to be lighthearted. I want to be honest. I don't want to be, it's like dancing when no one's watching, you know, it's like something that we want to do, but are scared to do. Um, and so when he shared this, there was just a real response from people that we want to be like this. So it goes into a bit more detail because it's kind of, again, using the enemy almost like, you know, there's a, there's a kind of expectation of what adults should behave like, you know, which is almost the enemy is like, why should we have to behave like that? Who says that? You know, it's kind of, of a passionate response so i will share this on the um lesson page because i think it'll be a good one for you to use as a i suppose a benchmark and again he's a designer so it looks great but you know using some of these other tools you can certainly get towards this with your own uh, with your own manifestos the other thing i like about that one is it, it is kai and if you get to know him and you understand what he's about that manifesto is so much about him as well as about trying to share something that other people can sign up to. And so it, you really get a sense of, um, of the person behind the mission. Yeah. I'm just telling it's the lesson page now. Sorry. Cool. <clears throat> so yeah, these, I think this week's probably a week where a lot of people hit a wall. So I wouldn't <laughs> be downhearted if you're feeling like that because it's, it can be quite challenging. And if it takes a little longer for you to do the, um, to do the challenges don't worry don't don't give up you know i think the hard thing is to get through this phase so um you know if you feel like one lesson you can jump ahead to and go for that but um you know we're doing it in a very sort of linear order step by step but often there's certain aspects of these lessons that feel easier because you you have more knowledge around it and you certainly feel more confident around so um you know when we do workshops on our canvas some people will jump straight into the pain some people will go to values some people will go to the different areas so yeah don't let it put you off if you're sort of finding it difficult but the main thing is sharing it with the group and getting feedback where you can and if you want if you have something you're not sure about um please and you want either myself or lawrence to feedback don't forget to mention us within the post so doing the at symbol and our name and that way we can jump in straight in if there's something specific that you'd like a question that comes up for you over the next few days exactly cool well, i just shared that uh, manifesto on the story page if anyone wants to see it i don't think it's a way of sharing images on the um, chat no i don't think you can upload anything <clears throat> cool so next week we have oh profits the fun stuff yeah <laughs> Prof, show me the money. Yeah. So that's a that's that's a fun exercise, and um, all all of this is building up. All of these lessons are building up, so that's why they're in the sequence, and, and you can use um, and you're supposed to use the stuff from the previous lessons to inform the challenges of the next lesson, uh, next few lessons. So um, I, I would say being really super clear about your fan and the pains, you know, getting that persona really clear for you and the pains, they're gonna really help you for, with lesson nine. So um, again, it doesn't have to be perfect, but make sure that you, you're happy with what you've got at the moment um, and share it with people to see, to sense check it. Exactly, and I think the key thing is working with your, you know, we didn't really talk about on the, on the lessons, but your unfair advantage, it might be you have access to, people or resources or um, you know assets that you can use to be able to either test out your idea get in front of people 
create something, you know, so don't feel like you have to be so rigid to follow the channels or the tools that we've talked about, because it might be that there's a way for you to fast track it. Um, and it seems that almost everyone has some kind of unfair advantage, whether it's, you know, someone who's, or you've got a good designer friends who can help you or access to a space where you can host an event, whatever it is, there might be something you can do to yeah, move forward. I think that's the key thing. Keep making progress. Yeah. I think another interesting thing to stress is this isn't like a linear process. All right. You do lesson one, two, three, four, nine, and you get to 12 and all done. I'm happy. Uh, what I've seen in the past, people like identify the pains. They've really done the homework. Well, they know who the fan is. They do lessons nine and 10, 11 and 12. They're all good, but still nothing happens. Nothing moves forward. And I think the, the biggest um, factor there is it still has to address your needs. It still has to be something you're passionate about and you want to make happen as well as you can articulate a pain and, and describe a fan. If it doesn't inspire you into action, then it becomes a bit of a challenge. So what I'm trying to say is like, you, you're going to go back. It's good to go back on the other lessons and sense check each time because we're trying to basically build a clear picture and tie everything together. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a couple of other people in the past who've created like notebooks of their work and kind of refer back to it, you know, even years later. So um, even uh, Chris, who I met this morning for coffee, said he took loads of notes after the first couple of summer camps and even altitude and it was in his loft and he had to like bring it all out when he's feeling really stressed <laughs> and look at it and, and remind himself of what um, what it's all about, really. So I think if you're writing this stuff down, it feels a bit pointless. Don't, don't, um, don't chuck it away. Cause you never know. I even find that now if I find old notebooks of ideas and, um, you know, workshops I've been to, whatever it might be, but you kind of go, Oh wow. Okay. Um, this is useful now. You never know when it might pop into your head. These are all tools for us. There's a set of tools that you can use and pull out whenever you need to. Um, even when your business is launched, this is a great way to just connect back to, to why you did stuff in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. I think we are, unless there's any final questions. Come on, you know you've got, you know you've got a question. Remini's been quiet tonight. I know. What's going on, Ram? I know. I think she's, yeah. Maybe gone for the wine after all. Oh, oh she's here. There she is. <laughs> so, yeah. Even if it's like a comment or a thought about the the course or um, the structure, uh, any feedback as well would be be interesting. We can we can address that as well. Yeah, the other thing to um, highlight, I guess, is that um, we are using or hacking at the moment Mighty Networks for the course. Um, they're launching classes or courses feature this week or next week. So the next version of this will be more seamless in terms of accessing the videos and navigating your way around the, the course. So yeah, bear with us on that, but we've tried to experiment a little bit with it and get as far as we can with it at the moment, just to put it all in one place really. Cool. So Remini's not got to her pain problem. <laughs> Homework for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. And again, this doesn't have to stop you moving forward, but I think like you said, it does, it does um, make it harder to convey the value of something if it's not attached to a problem that someone's trying to solve. Um, so for example, if we talk about why, you know, why should I come to altitude? It's like, Oh, come cause it's a great week and you get to hang out with people and have fun in the mountains. It's like, okay, that sounds like fun, but it sounds like an expensive fun. Um, but if it's tied to, um, you know, the next move, my next move in business or in life is something that, is going to impact me for many years to come and my family in my future. Um, if I was able to address some direction or some challenge that I'm facing over the course of that week and not only do that, but make new friends and you know, experience uh, one of the world's most beautiful regions, then that sounds like you know, value. So tying it to something that's really a pain for people will really help you to sell what you're doing and make it, hopefully make it more sustainable as well. I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's the, the altitude is a great example of um, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily addressing a pain for a lot of people. They think, oh, it's a nice little holiday for everyone. But I think what we found along the way is, like Lawrence was saying, sometimes people are going through a transition and they just they don't have time. They haven't given themselves an excuse to to actually stop and think. 
and the pain they're having is themselves. It's like they're, they, they, they're looking for a reason to stop. And now we've given them, it's like, yeah, this is a perfect way for you to get clarity on what you're doing. Other people are just worn out. They're tired. Mm. And they're just like, I just, I need to just get away. And that's the pain. That's the problem. It's like, I don't know how to get away. I don't know how to, to, to just relax. And so giving them an excuse that it's a leadership retreat, which it is, but at the same time, it's, it's a time for them to recharge and, and give them a, a, a way to get back to what they were doing with more focus and energy. Yeah, again, linked to this guy I was chatting to this week. He was He's trying to boost engagement in companies and he's talking about loneliness in the workplace. And, you know, loneliness not in terms of you're on your own, but loneliness in terms of you're surrounded by other people, but you're alone, you know, um, which is a big problem in cities. You know, you can be surrounded by loads of people but still feel very alone. So... Um, then you can link that to okay, productivity is down, you know, um, sickness is up, people aren't showing up for work, people are leaving early, whatever it is, you know, all this, this kind of like um, negative stuff's happening, which means that people aren't productive at work. So you can then tie his solution to this pain point that exists within a company, mm. rather than just like make your employees happy, you know. It's tying it to the he'll probably sell more and sell for a higher cost based on, you know, something negative in like yeah. a pain point rather than the vitamin like you said. There's no your customers. Uh, on top of that, I would say, like, if you're looking at that example, may, if you think of the customer as the HR manager or the CEO, you know, what are they trying to achieve? They're trying to achieve more efficient workforce and higher profits. And if you say, actually, your problem is you're not working, the, your, your business isn't performing as well as it could, but can take, and, that, and the issue with that is your employees aren't engaged, that's a problem worth solving rather than I want to have happy workforce. What's the point? How they, how's that going to benefit me? Mm -hmm. So being able to position what you do in a way that actually helps people achieve something better. I think something we haven't, you'll, you'll see in the next, do, do we show that value proposition canvas? I don't think we do. Not sure. We might, we'll dig into that next week then when we, when we talk about, um, Lessons nine. Uh, well, it's particularly lesson nine. Maybe we can get Mr. Himovic to do a little. Yay! <laughs> um, Nick is someone who does. Uh, I think he did one in Ashram, a value proposition workshop. So um, it's something we want to do as a masterclass at some point. But yeah, whether it's us or him, we can share a little bit about it next week. Cool. Um, I was thinking we need to change our name to the "Stop You from Being Depressed Startup School." <laughs> Then we can charge a lot more for the work we do. Yes, exactly. Don't die with regrets, school. school. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> um, so, actually, next week's the last q and A. I'm, I'm going to be in the outs actually next week. So, uh, yeah, go mountain man. Hopefully, the Wi-Fi is going to be working. Uh, yeah, or else it's going to be just me rambling at you. There'll, there'll be a few kids around, so it might be a bit noisy. So I'll have to find somewhere quiet. <laughs> Yeah, you can do some smug pictures of moonlit mountainscapes. Yeah, I'll leave that for you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh, there's one question. David's popped in with a final, final question. Yay! Couldn't resist. Um, yeah. So, he's picked the most boring one for <laughs> Sorry, Dave, I'm joking. Um, what about multiple personas? Does, does more persons help? Or just a road focus? Oh, interesting. Uh, I can answer that in one way. Um, so if you have, there's sometimes when, you, when you're creating something, and actually a good example is this thing that we're talking about, happy um, employees. There's the user and then there's the customer. And sometimes they're not the same person. So in this case, this person's doing workshops to help engage the the customers or the, the, the users, the staff, but the person who's paying for it is the CEO or the HR manager. So you do have two personas. You're going to be doing a persona that's kind of maybe focused more around the product and how it's delivered. And so you want to know what they're trying to achieve and their context so that you can make it so that they're super, it addresses the challenges for them. But then the other persona is the customer. So what does the CEO want? He wants a more engaged workforce so he can make more money. And so again, the pains and the goals and the needs are slightly different and they will inform how you talk to people and how you present yourself. Yeah, exactly. But I think there's no harm in doing a few, um, but as long as it doesn't become just diluted in terms of you don't really know who to talk to then. 
I think the point of all this stuff is that you, it helps you to know what to do next rather than spending lots and lots of time in a dark room doing personas. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, yeah, don't see it as a d- delaying tactic to put off the inevitable. I think specifically for the Purpose and Profit program, this, this, this fan, this person who's going to love what you do, and it's really, this is going to be the first stepping point. And if you, you know, when you watch the video from going just alone, being a lone wolf to then someone else actually joining your mini tribe and wanting to, to be part of what you're trying to make. So when you said lone, lone wolf, I just thought of David on the horseback. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just saw his comments. He, he, has to, he has to come to summer camp arriving on a on a horse now. <laughs> Naked, howling yeah. at the moon. Yeah. And anyone who thinks it isn't a cult will instantly um, <laughs> yeah. be, be proven wrong. <laughs> cool. Okay, then. <laughs> on that note. Um, Ping any more questions on the group chat if there's any something anything generic or if it's specifically tied to one of the lessons, just DM myself. I mean, mention myself or Lawrence on the comment, uh, and we'll try and jump in as soon as we can. Um, yeah, enjoy the rest of the lessons this week if you haven't finished them, and looking forward to talking to you again next week. Exactly. So I'm just. I was going to show a picture of where we'll be next week. Just a little teaser. Just a little teaser to to get Amy excited at least. Yeah. <laughs> where are we? Here we go. Amy's left. Amy's oh, gone. Amy's left. Oh. <laughs> now, now everyone else just hates us. <laughs> anyway. Oh dear. Um, cool. Uh, what was I going to say? Yes, um, community tea, oh, community tea, I call it community tea. What you've missed on the community is going to be published tomorrow, so look out for that uh, on the platform. And uh, yes, we on Tuesday, um, not Tuesday, yesterday, yesterday, I did the masterclass on purposeful tech. It was a complete nightmare to actually do live because I had tech problems. But I managed to edit it. The irony. The irony. So it's the irony. But um, if you're you're interested in basically making your life easier and not being bogged down in repetitive tasks, particularly around communicating with clients, I'd urge you to watch that. It's an hour long and there's some stuff on the community page as well for you to learn from. Cool. Okay. Thankfully, we recorded that. I just just thought, oh, no, we didn't record it. Thank, thank God it automatically recorded. Cool. Okay, thanks for listening and see you guys. See you all. Ciao. Catch you later.